Hey, hey, everybody. It's Allison Katzkowski. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I hope that wherever you are on this Tuesday morning, you are having a great day and you're doing something positive and fun for yourself. So I cannot wait for my conversation with my guest today. I've been looking forward to talking to this guy for quite a while. Um, my guest today is Mike Collins. He calls himself the sugar-free man. And he is the owner of sugaraddiction.com. And we're going to have a candid conversation about uh, the role of sugar in not just in food, but in addiction and how that relates back to how well you can take care of yourself. Mike, thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's not a, a problem. It's an honor. Not yeah. a problem. So tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I got a little short version. It's kind of the podcast version. It, uh, it probably brings up more questions than it answers, but um, all right. I was a regular kid. You know, I mean, I, I thought that uh, everybody ate as much sugar as I did. My mom was a sugar junkie, my favorite sugar junkie, and she had a stash and we, she thought we didn't know where it was, right? But we had unfettered access to the sugar bowl. We could literally put as much sugar in our Kool-Aid, on the cereal, anything. And we used to eat bread and butter and sugar sandwiches, for God's sakes, when we didn't have any anything yeah. else. There's a great video out there, Eric Clapton sitting in his $7 million antique with Treatment Center, and yeah. he's uh, talking to Ed Bradley of 60 Minutes, and Ed Bradley says, so Eric, this, uh, hero- this addiction thing, it all started with heroin, right? And Ed- Eric Clapton says, no, Ed, it started with sugar. I was eating bread and butter and sugar sandwiches just to change my state. I about fell out of my chair because we used to eat those same sandwiches. But anyway, fast forward to, uh, you know, 13 or 14, I run into beer and marijuana and all these other things. And, you know, I knew that changed my state. I could finally talk to girls. Um, And, you know, I got sober at 28. That's another podcast probably. But I (laughs) did what most everyone else does. They return to sugar, right? I mean, they don't gain the freshman 15 in recovery. They gain the freshman 50. You gain a That's lot right. of weight fast, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, I went on to have a regular career. Um, I read a book called Sugar Blues at that time. And that, that was just an amazing, the, the guy was married to Gloria Swanson, the famous movie star, and they promoted it in the eighth, late 70s and early 80s. Uh-huh. And, I think uh, I remember that. Yeah, it was a good book. And, uh, you know, they, they, it, it came and it went, basically. A lot of people read it, but, you know, I just, I just grabbed onto it. So then I raised a couple of sugar-free kids uh, back then from the womb till they were six. And, uh, again, I went on to have a regular life, a regular career. And about 10 years ago, I decided, what do I want to do? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? And, and just, <laughs> you know, help folks get off sugar. Because my kids always used to tell me, you should write a book, man. So I did. I wrote a book. and then. Uh, uh, you know, I've been helping folks ever since. So that's, that's the short version. That's awesome. I love it. So, so why is it, do you think that sugar is such a powerful addiction for people? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And, and basically it's um, enculturation over 300 years since the uh, uh, British empire uh, went to Africa and got slaves and Americas and the Caribbean and got rum and sugar and brought it back and grew the biggest empire in the world We've enculturated it, and we never really tried to put two and two together over the years. And it wasn't until the high fructose corn syrup that hit the diet in the 70s and 80s that we started to recognize the obesity issue. 
And the reason, you know, it's such a powerful drug, and I don't mince words when I say that, uh-huh. is because the dose makes the poison, right? You make yep. a you know, you have a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of cocaine, a little bit of marijuana, whatever. But you have everyone. The average American has twenty to thirty teaspoons a day of. This I know stuff. that is mind blowing to me. Yeah. So it's that you know. And they just don't, until they had come, you know, live a little while in my shoes and understand that there's a lot of pain out there, people two and 300 pounds overweight, losing limbs, going blind, and they still cannot put the sugar down. So to me, it's really, it's a simple, I I guess because I've been in it, I'm a little bit, you know, on the other side of the fence, but the average American doesn't really think about it. They don't think about Am I addicted to this product? Is this a product, you know, they think, you know, they think of junkies under the bridge drinking out of brown paper bottles, you know, brown paper bag bottles. They're, they're not thinking that this is uh, something that, because it doesn't show up, you know, it really doesn't show up for 20 or 30 years when you have diabetes or Alzheimer's or some other malady that, you know, could have been avoided if you, you know, your diet was different. No, I totally agree. I think it's, and what's intriguing to me so much is in the grocery store, you know, grocery stores, oh, yeah. um, packaging. And even if it says sugar-free, that doesn't mean there's no sugar in it. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, I, again, I read a lot of the stuff and I know what's going on with it all. And, you know, this all started after World War II with the um, K rations, the companies that were created to do the K rations yeah. uh, for the troops they created this product that could be sold, could be shelf stable, right? And the evolution of that, like when the war ended, they needed a way to keep selling something. And so they kind of moved into the public realm, if you will. And then it just accelerated. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really clearly an experiment in human uh, evolution and human behavior that has failed. And 85, now 84 or something like that, 80 plus percent of all the bags and boxes and cans and uh, cellophane and in the grocery store have sugar in them, just like you said. And it's not even sweet stuff. This is, this is, you know, anything that's processed. Right. 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 And it's just, it's just so intriguing to me because uh, from a marketing standpoint, you know, if I'm trying to market a product and you put sugar free on it, I mean, that's like you've hit the lottery with some people. (laughs) Exactly. Well, the part that's scary to me is that, you know, there's a book out there, uh, Salt, Sugar, Fat or something by Michael Moss. You want a Pulitzer Prize. I don't think for that book, but he has, you know, he's a great writer. And he talks about these literal campuses that exist, right? These are, you know, buildings, like three and four buildings. And inside of them, they have laboratories and MRIs where they yeah. put you in the MRI. Not We don't do focus groups like a, a, a mirror and they ask you questions anymore. They put yeah. you in the MRI, then they feed you the product and watch how the brain lights up. Yeah. So they're trying to make it. One of the things that came out just two days ago is really disheartening and it's really kind of sad. It goes right along with what's going on with the, uh, you know, the Floyd stuff is like they literally spend a billion dollars, Coke and Pepsi in the food product, a billion dollars to black and Hispanic children at three times the white of, of the, the rate of white children, right? This is uh-huh. a CNN, CNN article 
And so an, a, an average black child sees three times the Coke and Pepsi and uh, other things that a, that a white child does in their you know, childhood. It's just really crazy out there. On the other side of the fence, marketers are just the best at what they do. Absolutely. And, you know, people wonder why they have some problems with the sugar, you know. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, but if, and it, it's almost like, I mean, and I'll stop short of saying it naturally occurs in foods, but it, it's almost like, unless you really know what you're looking for, unless you really know how to read a label, I mean, you can think you're buying something that's good for you. Oh, exactly. And that's, you know, I mean, what we kind of preach a little bit is to just stay out of the middle of the grocery store and, and yeah, you know, you absolutely. go on the outside of the grocery yep. store where the seafoods and meats and vegetables and that kind of thing. Are. Yeah, I always teach, I always teach my clients, um, you know, and a lot of them already do this, but sometimes when we're just mapping out a strategy, it just comes up that I always tell people go around the outside of the store first. And sure. go in the middle aisles if there's something in particular that you need. Mm-hmm. Intriguing to me when I'm in a grocery store, whether it be a fresh market or Whole Foods or whatever, um, is that people go down the aisles one at a time, you know, and just look at <laughs> what's on the shelves. And honestly, so much of the more popular brand name things are at eye level, and that's on purpose. Oh, they're the best. They are the best. There's no doubt about it. The best yeah. brands are right there. And they, they pay for those shelf spaces. And a lot, a lot of them, until you get to be big, you got to pay to have them slotted in there. I agree. It's all strategy. So as far as, um, you know, and as far as where my audience goes, I think some of the, some of the things that I hear, complaints, that is, when we're trying to work on, my, my approach to eating is really more of an energy eating approach. One of the things I do in my six-step fit life system is I teach um, what I call a pantry cleanse. And so I usually have a, 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 a list, if you will, of items that I recommend that you get, get rid of because you don't want to keep your trigger foods around. And for a lot of people, those are foods with sugar. Mm, sure. And so, you know, I'm just curious your opinion professionally, you know, what what items would you recommend if you know that you either struggle with sugar or you more or less have a sweet tooth, what items would be helpful, you know, where you don't feel like you're cutting yourself off at the knees, so to speak, but that would be helpful for you in that regard. I mean, is there such a thing? Well, like we mentioned the outside of the grocery, whole food is really the answer. You've got to stay away. You know, it depends if like you're in a a detox mode or a maintenance mode, right? There's a Uh couple of different ways to look at this, right? And in the early days of the detox, I always tell folks, look, we're adulting here, right? You're right. trying to get healthy, you know, let's, let's be adults and let's go 30, 60, 90 days and try with, with a clean diet with no process, ultra processed carbs in your diet and then make the decision if you want to add one back, right? Yeah. It's a simple experiment. And the problem is, is that in those first 30 days, there's, with, there's actual withdrawals. There's actual physical withdrawals. I mean, people yeah. have a tough, tough time with headaches, lethargy, depression, what I call amotivational syndrome. I mean, people just, they're, they're blah, you know, and they, it's hard because they know they got a meeting to go in. They got kids. And if they literally take just a little bit of sugar in, then that all that malaise disappears. Right right away. Like it's, it's scary actually that you're feeling that bad and a little candy bar will change that. Right. 
right. uh, in like day three or four where you're right in the middle of your detox. So you got to get through that part first, right? That's important to help people understand that it's very real and it's very physical. It's not mental. A lot of people think, well, I need to run off and get an SSRI or something. It's not. It's going to clear if you just, you know, tr- the problem is people are always thinking about the food and the exercise, right? Right. But in reality, it's the actual, your brain reward chemicals that we're looking at. Those are the dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, oxytocin, and even your adrenals are so depleted after decades of this product, probably from the womb, your mother gave it to you as a baby. You're, you know, you, you just have, what they call in the science is called, uh, your dopamine receptors are down-regulated. It means you have less of them, right? Yeah. You don't have that many, and you probably started out with a shortfall. If your mother was – my mom gained 60 pounds on a 105-pound frame, and wow. she told me flat, flat out she only ate sugar products. So I started out the game with less dopamine receptors, right? Yeah. And so the thing you and I talked about before we got on is people aren't looking for a sweet hit. They're not looking – it's an unconscious, it's unconscious attachment to manually manipulating your dopamine and other chemical brain reward chemicals. And yeah, it's like you're trying to pull a lever almost. A hundred percent, just like a rat pushing the lever for sugar, right? Totally. Except unconsciously, we can just reach in a cupboard or we can just go to the 7-Eleven. It's very inexpensive and it's almost free if you're a kid or you know, in a house that's stocked well, you just walk over the kitchen and get it. And so this unconscious behavior needs to be broken, snapped yeah. in half. Like Tony Robbins, that snap in front of your face. That's right. Cut. Uh-huh. It's a pattern interrupt. And when you start to write it all down and see what happens, then you can see that this how this stuff is affecting. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's almost like it's just an unconscious you know, it's like it's a habit almost with people. Right. You no, know? yeah. and we get really good at what we do often. That's one of my one of my favorite things to say. You know, we get so used to it, sometimes we don't even think about. It. Well, that's what it is. It's really an unconscious uh, habit at this point. It's it's just ingrained in the culture. Everything, every celebration from birth to death includes a lot of sugar, and and now because of the marketing that you and I talked about, every day includes a lot of sugar. That's right. So people are just used to it. And it's not like this is something that's always been. That's a part. I'm a big fan of the history of it all, where if you pull back and you look 300 years ago, heck, we only kings and queens could eat sugar. That's right. It was hard to get. And so now everybody can, every, you know, every socioeconomic class, even poor and underdeveloped countries have more obesity problems than they have nutritional, you know, people with malnutrition. Right. So it's, uh, you know, because we exported our own crap, you know, our own ultra-processed carbs. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a real, uh, we I, I call it a 30-year, it's a 30-year tectonic shift we're in the middle of, okay? Yeah. So like seatbelts in cars, smoking in public places, drinking and driving. When the science finally says, enough, we cannot continue to smoke or have secondhand smoke or drink and drive. Today, the science comes out every day about the ill effects of overdosing on sugar. And as that moves into the future and this, like the stigma of condoms in bathrooms or AIDS or something 
was nasty, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Right. And they didn't out people just like for fun. They outed people for health care so that people uh-huh. could get health care. Right. And that's what's about to happen here. We're, we've got a situation where in Canada and the UK, it's literally going to collapse the social medicine systems. And in the United States, we're still, we're not going to be able to afford Medicaid, Medicare. We're not going to be able to afford it anymore because all the metabolic illnesses. So, well, that's right. And so many of it is, so much of it is just related to lifestyle. That's yeah. It's the this crap I'm so passionate eat, about is that it, it has to become part of your lifestyle. It has to be part of who you are. Yeah. And that's, and that's hard because one of the things that, uh, is the most difficult part that we find a couple things. And it's interesting that your podcast is uh, the ultimate journey to self-care because the two, besides the idea you got to eat whole food and get off the sugar, right. the, two, the two other things that people need to understand is that one, they do need to have some sort of self-care that's different than eating something that will give you a dopamine hit, right? Right, they, absolutely. They, they have to do that. And the second part is the uh, uh, slip my mind, but the uh, you know the the folks need to understand their uh, you know their relationship with the sugar, right? It's a it's a relationship that's like a lover for God's yeah. sakes, you know that they've just unconsciously used it forever, right? Yeah. So and when they well, do and I know I have a couple clients that and they you know they're they're the first to admit it too that you know they're emotional eaters and and sugar is their go to you know i know right. one client in particular that i'm thinking of right now and um and and she readily admits it and i know right. she's gotten a lot better but i know it's a constant struggle well you're really advanced in that for a health educator because the other thing that i was thinking about talking you know was about to mention is that the you know, the emotional changes that you have to go through, the idea that we are literally programmed since a child, and this is the, the crux of our work, you know, is that it, your mom was busy. Mine was, she had three other kids. So when she would just hand me a cookie when I was upset, instead of getting down on my level and saying what's wrong and solving the problem, she'd hand me a cookie and hand me to the TV. And so we begin this process of thinking about, well, upset, sugar. Worried, sugar, fear, sugar. Um, you know, when was the last time you saw a movie where a girl got dumped and didn't have a big ice cream party, right? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Become, it's become a cultural norm here. And that what happens is now when you quit, not only does some of that old stuff start to come up, like you start to remember stuff that you didn't really fully deal with. And then your new everyday stressor. So the boss is mad at you. Go to the candy machine. Your spouse is mad. Go sneak some, su- you know, some sugar. And that process has to be broken in half. It has to be understood first, yeah. looked at in a clear light, and then broken in half so that you can find other substitutes, other as you mentioned, self ultimate self care. That's right. That's that what it's all about. Than food. Well, and it's, and it is, it's a journey for people because it, you know, it's, it's a journey to the person that you want to be. And in order to do that, you have to more or less shed these old layers, even if they sort of come up again down the road, it's, it's always evolving. And the more you understand it, I think the better off you are. That's a great way to put it. Uh, Shed the layers, you know, to shed the old layers. And one thing I would add to that is 
the life that you're headed to has to be bigger and better and more beautiful than the one you're leaving. Yes. And we call it your big why, right? Why do you want why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to stop sugar? You know, why? And you've got to be able to write it down. You've got to be able to say, I want to be able to dance at my grandchildren's wedding. Or I want to well, and it's got to be so clear to you, too. Like, yeah. you can almost taste it. You just have to yeah. be so clear on why, not just what you want, but why you want it. 100%, because otherwise, the sugar's strong, man. It's going to take back, take you back into its Heck, loving, yeah. em- loving embrace. You know? it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it. Yeah, it's it's just it's going to be like, hey, remember me? I'm still over here, and I treated you really well. Remember? <laughs> and I don't complain. I don't. I, I'll just treat you well. I make and, you feel good. I don't have any baggage. You know, right. all good. Yep. You don't have yeah. to have any hard conversations with me. You just pick me up and eat me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you mentioned you mentioned whole thirty is really the way to go, and I know I have a lot of my clients that do that, and then I have clients that it really doesn't work. So mm. I guess from your perspective, I mean, if you, if you don't mind just kind of dumbing it down in terms of a, an, an easy way to explain it, because um, I, I do think that for a lot of people, it just, it doesn't land very well. Yeah, no, I didn't mean whole 30. I meant 30 days abstinent, you know, yeah. 60 days. I mean, I, I know a little bit about that program and, you know, it has a similar bent to it, but here's the big thing it misses. Okay. And a lot of them miss out there, almost all of them, 90 plus percent, um, because we have runaways, if you will, from every major diet plan in the world, from Weight Watchers to you can't even, every single one has, you know, 6.8 is the number of diet plans people have tried before they find us. Yeah. And when they do find us, we talk about what you and I have been discussing. We talk about the we, it's literally called, we call it brain rehab work, okay? You really literally need to rehab your brain reward chemicals because they are beat up, bloodied, and exhausted yeah. by the time you, they reach us. By the time you reach our age, you're an adult, and for 30 years, 20, 30 years, you have used this product continuously, day in and day out. You have a problem with how you process the world and how you feel. A lot of people come to us on SSRIs, which are Paxil and these kind of things. But in reality, sugar affects the serotonin, right? The serotonin is a a SSRIs or Paxil and these kind of, is serotonin reuptake. I can't even remember how to say it anymore, but it's a, it's a something that plays with or dials in how your serotonin is delivered to you. Right, and the same with the dopamine, the ser- you know, the oxytocin, which is the bonding chemical. All these reward systems are affected, and the addiction model, which I came up in, you know, just by accident, I guess, or whatever. But you know, um, has a very strong tenant, and that uh, concrete, well-known, every treatment center knows this: that if you started using drugs and alcohol at fourteen or fifteen years old. That's when you stop growing emotionally. You stop yeah. processing things right or correctly or, or taking time because you didn't want to. And the easy way was to just drink and forget about it or whatever it was. Now, think about if you're using sugar since you were a baby, a child, right? You've got a long haul 
And people say, well, Mike, it's not the same. They always tell me this. Look, it's not the same. Well, it's not the same unless you start talking to someone who's lost two or 300 pounds and who has been, like I said, using this product since they were a child. And they had to go through what is amounts to a worse or a more difficult recovery than, listen, this is a true story, okay? So I was anonymous in my alcohol and drug use for, um, you know, 20 some odd years, right? But I'm on over 30 years because about three or four years ago, my parents died, right? And they died within a couple of years of each other, a year of each other almost. And uh, I went public because I know that the stigmatization of substance use disorder is the problem because people, it's all hidden and all the programs are anonymous, so look what happens at sugaraddiction.com. I get this huge flood of people who are 5, 10, 15, even 20. I got a coach right now who works for me, uh, was 20 years sober, and she could not put down the sugar. These people are very well versed in addiction and understanding addiction. I'm sure. And to a man, to a woman, every single one of them said it was harder to put down the sugar than it was the alcohol and the drugs. So I believe it. You know, today's world is coming for a, a correction, I call it, you know, comeuppance, if you will, as this information starts to seep out scientifically and anecdotally into the public and, the you know, folks like you allow guys like me to talk about it, you know. Sure. So it's amazing. I mean, it's just, to me, it's, again, I'm, I'm immersed in it, so I hope I'm not, uh, you know, obfuscating the point here, but. No, that's totally fine. I just. You know, people that I know that have kicked habits, you know, the, the people who I know who have quit smoking, who've, you know, quit drinking, who, you know, maybe, you know, gamble a lot or shop a lot or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I got to be honest, in, in all of my years in the fitness industry, I think cutting out sugar has got to be one of the toughest things for people that have done it that they have told me. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, yeah. I agree. And I know it's true because I deal with them day in and day out. So I, you know, everybody, everybody, here's the man. <laughs> Nobody wants to be different. And I get that. It's that yeah. social component, which is another one of our third p- pillars is the social component is so important. You know, what, most of the time when someone comes to us, the, they're the only one in their family, their nuclear family that is wanting to do this. So it's hard in the family with the food situation. And then societally out in workplaces and restaurants and stuff, it's also hard. You got to be ever vigilant. You got to talk to the, the, the sir. Is there sugar in this? You know, the, the parties at work. I mean, all these things are a, a, a problem in the early days until you get to the other side. And once you get to the other side, it's okay. I've never had anybody get 90 days of 100% abstinence, uh, flour, sugar, ultra-processed carbs, and uh-huh. then want to go back. You know, it yeah. just doesn't happen because yeah. their body is different. Their, you know, their brain is different. Everything has changed. Their skin is better. A lot of things have changed, and they don't want to risk it. They just don't want to risk yeah, it. Yeah, well, they're just they're like, why would I want to go back to something that doesn't serve me? And that's ultimately right. the goal of where we want to go. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately, to me, what the journey of self-care is about is why would I want to go back to something that doesn't serve me? So why don't you tell us about your, your event? Don't you do your sugar your sugar addiction event? Oh, uh, the Quit Sugar Summit. You can go there and sign up and we'll let you know. Oh, sorry, something fell. 
It's called the quitsugarsummit.com. You can go there and, and just give us your name and we'll, uh, we'll send you an email on the next one. We just had one. So. Okay. Um, yeah. I saw that. That's what, when I got your, when, um, uh, when I, when I found you online, I saw that, I saw that you'd already had it. So I wanted to make sure that I asked you about that. Yeah, but we have, we've interviewed over 200 people and, you know, Robert Lustig, who's probably the de facto leader of this sugar awareness movement, uh, endocrinologist, pediatric endocrinologist who got tired of um, fatty liver and children and he, you know, watched it happen over his 30 year career, uh, went and got a law degree uh, to start enacting policy. Lewis Cantley from the Cantley lab at Cornell who's 40 years off sugar and says, I, I made him do sound bites for me. I said, you sure you want to do this? He said, I want to do it. He said, sugar causes cancer. I said, Dr. Kent, will you say that again? Sugar causes cancer. And I'm like, okay. I mean, he, he doesn't like work at Cornell. He has a lab named after him at Cornell. Yeah. Chris Palmer at Harvard, uh, same thing with epilepsy and sugar and, and mental health and sugar. I mean, it goes on and on. Gary Taubes, uh-huh. the famous author, um, all kind of, you know, people who have programs, who own treatment centers, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And it really has exploded in the last couple of years because, um, you know, the awareness is just getting way up there now. And this, this well, and, and, and from what I read in the exercise research um, is that it's so many of the inflammatory conditions in the human body that sugar is really at the root of all of that, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Metabolic. It really syndrome. just, you know, inflames, if you will. I mean, inflames the inflammation. How's that? Oh, that's the truth right there. I mean, you're hundred percent you're right on target because the inflammation in the brain, they're starting to call uh, you know, Alzheimer's diabetes three, uh, the, the inflammation in the joint. So many people say they get off sugar for 30 days and their arthritis, their joints don't hurt anymore. Yeah. Uh you know, their autoimmune stuff fades. I mean, there's a lot of successful companies now that are literally putting type 2 diabetes into remission simply because they changed their diet, got off all the processed carbs. Oh, I totally believe that. My mother, yeah. uh, she's retired now, but she's a was a clinical dietitian and with a specialty in diabetes. She was a CDE for a lot of years. Wow. And... and she, I can almost like remember like hearing conversations when she would talk to people about that. And that was pretty much verbatim what she said too. No, it's, it's like now there's a lot of peer reviewed science and, and, and studies that are year long. People that had an average of eight or nine years of diabetes too in remission. Yeah, no, it's remarkable what doing that. And when you add physical activity to it, then boom, it's like you've hit the lottery. I mean, Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely. And the physical part is, uh, in getting off, it, we call it, like I said, the brain rehab. We use it so that your dopamine, serotonin stuff comes back online quicker. Yeah. You know, a nice walk is a substitute for a soda or a, or a donut, you know? Yes. It's, it's I a, mention the, the long-term effect on your energy that it has because your whole right. you just your sleep. It's like you sleep better at night. You're not, you know, you don't, I, I hope it's not too crude, but you don't have to pee 10 times in the night or five. Oh, times I get it. I totally get it. You get, you get older, you get every, little, every little thing helps, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the precursor when you start to want to go, have to go to the doctor to think about diabetes is that you're urinating too much, you know? Yeah. And, totally. uh, and that, you know, people, I was talking about the 90 day, they get 90 days in, right. And they, 
all of a sudden they're sleeping through the night and they don't have to get up all the time. And they're like, if, if that's the only benefit they get, they're happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, what, what does that do for you? That improves your sleep. Changes your but life. It translates into you having more energy and feeling better, which translates into your whole body just functioning better. I mean, it's a win-win. Yeah. A lot of the autoimmunes too. That's amazing to me. The, you know, all of them, they, they, they either abate completely or they, they're, you know, really settled down so that they're not even bothering you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just a, it's a, it really, Nancy Appleton just recently passed away last year. She was a great educator. She wrote a book called uh, licking the sugar habit or uh, death suicide by soda. Yes. I'm like familiar that. with her work. Yeah. 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 Well, she used to like, um, uh, she would talk about like back in the day, she would just take her pulse every time she had sugar. That was the only way she could gauge it. Right. But she had a list of 146 maladies caused by sugar that she had scientific, uh, you know, uh, peer reviewed studies about. So it's just like, it was wild really. And, And I've got a lot of those studies now. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, this is just all fascinating to me. I, I have a, a pretty heavy science background, so I always want to know the how, how and the why of how things work and how that relates back to why we function and why we do the things we do. So this is just. Oh, yeah, that, that part is, uh, Dr. Lustig once told me, I said, we got off the interview one time and I said, Rob, like, aren't you afraid of these guys? You know, because these guys write, like I said, billion dollar checks every year for just for marketing, you know, yeah. they make a lot of, they make a lot of dough and they're a big force. And he says, no, no, I got the science now. I'm like, the science is there now. And uh, he's like, if I go down, somebody's going to be right behind me. So they're, yeah. they're, they're having to change their game plan. Well, and what I think is so important is, is that not only is the science there now, but it's in a way that we can explain and teach it better to people. Yeah. And in a context that, you know, they can grasp and they can relate to because, I mean, honestly, in my work with helping people change behaviors, I mean, it's, it's got to be, it's got to appeal to them on many levels, you know, because if knowledge mm. change behavior, where would we be? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So this has been really, really fun. I'm so glad that we were able to work this out. Let's say that um, someone's out there listening and they're, you know, really intrigued by this. Where can people find you? Sugaraddiction.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page, but if you go to sugaraddiction.com, there's a big, you can take a sugar quiz, but I always tell people, look, if you made your way to this podcast and you made your way to sugaraddiction.com, you don't need to take the quiz. Yeah, <laughs> there's a, totally. Just, there's a book there, a free book. Um, it's also on Amazon for free, um, but you can go to the website. Uh, you'll see a big yellow, the last resort sugar detox. Just click on that and you can download the book for free. And, and you can read about my story and raising the kids sugar-free and how I came across all this, uh, these ideas many, many years ago and, and the science now. And so, yeah, it's, uh, we're just trying to get as, many, as much of this information out as we can. I'm, I'm a big proponent of trying to change the next generation. Yeah. Um, most of the folks that finally make it with us are older because they've been having a problem with it for many, many years. But the young folks who are now about to have children or whatever, they, they need some information too. So I'm trying yeah. to get it to them too. Well, and people just, you know, so many people just, you know, try so many different things and when they don't get immediate results, they just quit, you know, and, right. and it's just, you know, I mean, it, it, it takes strength and endurance to stay the course too. 
It does. And, and it also takes social support. Okay. Yes. And this is one of the things that we, I call us the vessel. We create the infrastructure for people to know one another because, you know, you've heard the phrase, I love this phrase, actually, you can become the average of the five people you hang around with the most. Oh, yeah. We talk about that in my mastermind group a lot. Yeah. So it's like now they have peer-reviewed science about weight. In other words, you're going to become the average weight of the five people you hang around with, right? These are studies that have done, you know, bigger studies now. And so what we do is we create this vessel, um, online Zoom meetings, where people can get to know one another. So when they're having trouble with their spouse or they're having trouble uh, staying off the sugar, they can pick up the phone or get online or go to a meeting, Zoom meeting, and they can finally like have a new tribe, a, cr- a new group of folks that they run with that believes as they do that this might not be the best thing for them. Well, and it's and you think about, I think about, so many, not just my clients, but people that I know that, you know, are, are trying or doing, you know, they feel like they're doing all the right things and they just keep running into walls. And I, I know that a lot of that is related to support and community. And I think now with what's happening with, you know, COVID and everything and all the changes that people have had to make as far as places they go and things that they do, I know my industry has taken a brutal hit with all this. What nobody really talks about is how important the connection to others that are in the fight with you is about. Absolutely. It it might be the key to it all. We're herd animals. We like to do stuff together. Totally. I could not agree more. And, um, you know, I was, I was having this discussion with someone the other day and, and they were, well, you can just do it online. You can, you know, pick up the phone and call somebody you can work out at home. I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's not the same thing. You know, when you're on the journey with some, with a group or whatever, it's, it, it really is a big key to your success, not just your success, but staying successful. I couldn't agree more. And I'm, you know, I, I've based the, and I've not even based it. It's, it's the growth of what we've done has come from that type of getting the full yeah i give them good information yeah they but they could research that online you know sure they failed anyway you know until they really get with a new tribe a new group of people and are willing to get out of their comfort zone sometimes when you're 20 years away from high school you've lost a lot you know you don't have that core group of people around you who are wanting to be positive or move forward in a positive way well it doesn't matter if it's just this, it could be anything, you know, your career or your finances or whatever. Um, And you need to get out of your comfort zone and meet some new folks and, 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 uh, and be vulnerable with them. Say, look, I'm struggling here. You know, it can't be, it can't be a shame based thing. You got to say, look, you got to let them know you because they're doing, (laughs) look, they're struggling too. take my word for five minutes in my inbox, five minutes on my messenger. I'm here to tell you, podcast listeners that there's millions, hundreds, probably hundred million people suffering just like you with this foolish little white powder. So don't worry. Yeah, totally. And it just, um, I feel like that's so much the case now. I feel like people are starving for community and connection. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Facebook is not like doing groups as their main focus for their health, right? They realize that these are very yes. helpful, helpful. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, if you're underwater basket weaver, where it's going. Then fine. You know, that's great. If you're a crocheter or a knitter, whatever it is, there's a group for it. You know, there's, there's people that can help you 
do this, you know, and whatever it is. So yeah. yeah. And that and that way, more importantly, too, you just know that you're not alone. Right. Exactly. And that's huge. Huge. Yeah. Completely. So any um any final thoughts before we sign off? The only one I always like to leave people with, which is an interesting thing that evolved, you know, genius is only pattern recognition. And what we've discovered over the years is that the withdrawal period and the the way to stay off it over 30, 60, 90 days in the first year pretty much is is the same. Okay. It's like, in other words, the heavy withdrawals are first 10 days, uh, then it's kind of starts to be emotional stuff. And then you know, then that emotional and physical is kind of fading, but then you have these um, uprisings of we want to have it. But anyway, there, it's a pretty simple pattern that's the same because we've seen so many. But what I've found is the success stories, right? The success stories, those are the folks who originally in their life, somewhere in their past, be it scholastic or athletics or career or parenting or relationships, They've had a big success, and they weren't afraid to leave their original tribes, leave their original hometown, leave their original uh, high school, leave their original job, uh, college. They're willing to do the research and then step out on their own. They're not. They they like to say they're not afraid of what other people think. Right now, I don't believe yeah. that's true in a, completely, but I think there is a modicum of of truth in that that they are comfortable making decisions that are go against the grain of their nuclear family or, 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 or close group of friends, you know, and they're yeah. willing to step out. Those are the people that succeed. You can always trace back some athletic achievement or some scholastic achievement or some career achievement. Sometime in their life, they've had a success and uh-huh. then this, this becomes a little bit easier, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. the, uh, that's just a a, a, fear, a weird kind of thing we've discovered. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just, I think we just, sometimes we just, not only do we need to be inspired, I prefer the use of the word inspired versus motivated. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we need to be inspired, but we need to be reminded too that we can do it, that there's always a chance, but it's nothing happens unless we take that first step. Right. And this one is too, what should I say? Too all uh, ubiquitous is the right word, but it's too all encompassing in the world, in the society today, without having someone to motivate you through. Uh, you just you're 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 doomed to to hang with the rest of the society at this point in time. You know, so yeah. you've got to get out of that comfort zone. Yeah, awesome, good stuff. Thank you so much for for being for being my guest today. I really appreciate your time. Well, I loved it. Uh, thank you. You're very advanced for the health. You know, a lot of times the health folks are, <laughs> they, they don't want to listen to some of my rambling. No, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I just, I, my education meant the world to me. And I mean, I have an undergraduate degree and a master's and I just, I Sweet. love being able to have, you know, deep discussions about things that relate to health and fitness and anything related to a healthy lifestyle. So I always, cool. I always enjoy hearing other people's perspectives. Cool. Very cool. Well, you're doing a great thing out there. Thank you. Fantastic. So if you're out there listening and you found our conversation interesting and you want to learn more, please feel free to reach out to Mike at sugaraddiction.com. He's got a free book there you can download and put your email address in and he can let you know about about his upcoming um, Sugar Summit, which I've got that on my list that I want to do for sure. 
And if you're out there and you are not a member of my private Facebook community, please head over and join me there at Living Your Ultimate Life Through Fitness and Self-Care. If you are not on Facebook, then please go to my website at cufitness.com and click Contact Us and just send me a note. Um, I always like to know about what you're dealing with, what your successes are. I want to help you celebrate your wins and just remind you that every day is the journey to self-care because every day we become one step closer. This is Allison Katzkowski. I am so grateful for all of your support. We are worldwide. We have thousands of downloads and thousands of listeners worldwide, and I could not do it without you. And for that, I thank you. This is the ultimate journey of self-care. You are one step closer to living your ultimate life. So make it a good one.